This is Bob Morris in Desert Horticulture. Today we'll be talking about fire blight disease. We just had lots of wind and it's a prime time for fire blight disease to occur in some of our orchards, depending upon the fruit trees you're growing. All this and more on Desert Horticulture. Fire blight disease is a bacterial disease. That's important to remember because most of our diseases of plants are fungal in nature. They aren't bacterial. So we don't have a lot of sprays that can be used to prevent it. When I'm asked about fire blight disease, I'm usually asked two questions. Where did it come from? And how do you control it? I'll try to answer both of those, but where does it come from? Well, where does any disease come from? It can blow in from your neighbors. It can come from any source. Whenever we, typically the, the, the weather conditions that are conducive to fire blight development in your fruit trees, in specific fruit trees, I might add, and I'll get to that in a little bit later too as well, are usually high winds during a time after pruning or when there are natural openings in the fruit trees, such as flowers. You don't think about it, but when a plant is flowering, it's open. It's open to the air. It's open to disease transmission, certain types of disease transmission. Fire blight's one of them. So typically, when we're looking at fire blight disease, we look at orchards a couple of weeks later after we've developed high winds. Why? Because, like anything else, plants can't get up and move. They don't have any legs. So wind is the agent of transmission for these diseases. So after a windy period, particularly when there are wounds or openings in the plants, are when disease transmission can occur. In the literature that you look up, <clears throat> and I would highly suggest if you're interested in more information about fire blight disease, look at places such as reliable places, such as the University of California, IPM, Integrated Pest Management, or just IPM, short for that, and then key in the word, after you've keyed in those, University of California, IPM, key in the word fire blight. And that should come up on the first page. Make sure, because when you use search engines, oftentimes these search engines will put up advertisements first. So skip over those and look for the University of California information for a reliable source of information. I'm not saying that other places don't have reliable information. I just don't know who to trust and who not to trust. <clears throat> of course, for me, you know, I always look at, at the information I present, not always, but I try to present as reliable of information as I possibly can. So I looked, I have looked at the University of California Integrated Pest Management, and I combine that with information that I see in the field. So when I see IPM, when I see fire blight, for instance, a fire blight disease, I'll combine the two pieces of information. What the literature will tell you when you search online and pictures that, you be careful of pictures 
Well, it's it can be important, but just be careful of, of pictures that you find online because some of them can look really, really nice, whereas some of them don't look exactly that nice. If you want pictures, uh, try my blog, Extreme Horticulture of the Desert. That's starting with an X, Extreme Horticulture of the Desert, all one word, Extreme Horticulture of the Desert. <clears throat> and if you go to my website, the my blog, there's a bar on the top that you can search and put in the words fire blight and it'll bring it up. That's a search engine that's restricted only to my blog. Anyway, um, fire blight is a bacterial disease. It's very, very contagious. It's very highly what we call virulent. It can spread from tree to tree very easily, very easily. So it's important when control measures are made, one, that <laughs> there are no sprays, okay? Yeah, there are sprays that you can use to prevent it. Copper is one of those sprays. Copper fungicides, copper, copper is very lethal anyway. So anytime you use copper and it's in a fungicide or a bactericide, it's, um, it can be very, very lethal. It's just like soap and water. Soap and water is very virulent. Is It will kill insects. That's how we control <laughs> Africanized, the so-called killer bees in irrigation outlets, is we spray them with soap and water. We open up the box after the irrigation box, after they've come home at night and at dusk time, because they use the sun to navigate where they're going, and we'll spray all of them. Will they swarm? Of course they'll swarm. And if you go new the, near near uh, Africanized honeybees, they'll swarm at you. That's why they call them killer bees. They're very aggressive. But anyway, <clears throat> regardless of that, we're we're focused on fire blight disease. Fire blight disease, um, like I said, is bacterial in nature, very virulent. So you want to get it off the property as soon as possible if anything is pruned out, which I'll talk about in a little bit. Where did it come from? It came from the neighbors, as I said before, or from any, it could have come from a source within your within your own orchard, if you've got one, small orchard, backyard orchard, if you don't catch it in time. It can spread very, very easily. So you don't need a lot of inoculum for it to spread. You just need people that put in the right kinds of fruit trees. So what are the right kind of fruit trees? What fruit trees? What are the most susceptible to this disease? And just like any population, fruit trees, some of the fruit trees are more susceptible than others. So the most susceptible are the Asian pears and uh, another a very ancient plant called we call quince, is also very susceptible to the disease and needs to be controlled when we see it in either quince or Asian pear. Asian pear are things like hosui, kikusui, any any of the Asian type pears, and any of their hybrids, like tenasui, which is a cross between Tennessee, uh, European pear, Tennessee, and a Asian pear called hosui. Hosui, 
anyway, though they're very virulent, and also the quince. If anyone's growing quince, uh, and some of the some of the there are some certain certain segments of our population that like quince. They are very aromatic. Quince can be very very interesting. It's an interesting fruit, more from a from a. <clears throat> more from a, a, sm a smell standpoint than anything else. But Asian pears and quince are somewhat similar. They have the same background. Anything in the rose family, so it doesn't include any of the citrus at all. Anything in the rose family, peaches, uh, excuse me, peaches are not susceptible. Pears are susceptible, particularly some of the European pears. There are European pears that are not as susceptible such as the red Bartlett, which I found found uh, I, I found fire blight in Asian in red Bartlett pear the other day. There were a lot of them. There were probably thirty or forty of the age of the of the uh, red Bartlett pear, and one of the plants had had fire blight. It looked like it had fire blight. So where does it come from? It can come from anywhere. But it's important that you look for Asian pears, highly susceptible. Some of the European pears, uh, there are a few apples that are susceptible, and unfortunately Pink Lady is one of them. Another one is Mutsu, which I've recommended in the past for our climate. And there are ornamentals in the rose family that are susceptible to to fire blight disease as well, in particular pyracantha and cotoneaster. Don't forget that if European pear, if European pear is susceptible like Bartlett, then check your ornamental pears as well, the flowering pears that you have, <clears throat> because they can be susceptible as well. Usually that disease only affects the blossoms and the blossoms will die back. But on occasion, it can be more aggressive than that, and it can, it can get into the, the trunk of the tree. So control measures. There are sprays, but they're not, they have to be applied multiple times, and they're not all that effective. One of them is agromycin, which is more just like streptomycin, except it's an agricultural form of streptomycin. It's an antibacterial disease agent that can be used in agriculture because it has a label for fire blight control. It's sprayed on the plants not to correct the disease, but as a preventive. So you have to realize if you've got Asian pears, for instance, and you've had high winds, then you might as well go out and spray your, all of your Asian pears with, with agristrep, with the agricultural streptomycin. But other than that, you just patrol the orchard. You walk through the orchard, and it's important for you to to look at those. If you don't do that, it can spread to your neighbors as well. You don't want that to happen. So the 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 time of year that is is in the spring, after pruning, or when there are other natural openings, such as flowers, flowers provide natural openings inside of plants. There are openings that can that can transmit the disease and the and for this reason uh honeybees and flies have been subject, have been have been suspicious 
they they are suspicious that that they transmit this particular fire blight disease from plant to plant. But usually after strong winds, usually after, if, if I've seen it in the past, I'll walk it in the future. And the time of year, usually if it's in new plants, if it hasn't survived, it's usually in about May in the Las Vegas Valley area. In about, it could be in the Arizona area, it could be Aprilish, but that's the time of year. I, I always walk the orchard anyway. Whenever I have fruit trees, I'll walk it. It's important to walk it and look for that particular disease problem, especially after high winds, especially at the time of year. So after pruning has been completed and you've, you've, you've uh, left open wounds and natural open wounds, so bacterial diseases like fire blight can be spread from plant to plant in the rose family. So the ones that are most susceptible, like I said before, are the Asian pears, a few of the, Bart- of the, of the European pears like Bartlett, like the yellow Bartlett, and usually the red Bartlett are, are less susceptible. And don't forget quince. There are some countries where quince is quite popular. It's not in the United States. Quince uh, is not, but there are some quince recipes out there that you can find. Quince jam, for in quince jelly. It's very high in pectin. Quince is very popular, like I said, as an aromatic. Uh, and so, so some people will put them inside their drawers in, to create an aroma. And, uh, <clears throat> and now we've got. Quince that are orange quince, lemon quince, lemon varieties of, that have a, a certain ar- aroma after they've been harvested and they put inside, after they've been ripened and harvested and put inside uh, drawers of, um, of... And there are, like I said, certain ethnic groups like Central Asians, the Iranians, Afghans, and uh, in, in that particular part of the world are also very keyed in on quince, on quince as well. So very subject, uh, again, look if you're growing quince at all, look at the quince very carefully, and look at the, uh, at the uh, Asian pears and Bartlett pears. Uh, take a look at if you've got, if you've got uh, a red, uh, pink lady apple, take a look at that. If you're growing mutsu apple, take a look at that. So the apples, just look at your apples in regardless. Just look at all the plants in your orchard. Like I said, I've never seen it on peach. I've never seen it on plum. By the way, I see it every oh, every four or five years. When whenever we have high spring wind. I, I will see it, and I'll walk the orchard. I'm walking it anyway. You should be walking it anyway. So watch for high winds, especially during times of, of flowering or right after pruning. Look for high winds. And that'll key it in. But like I said, you should be walking it anyway. You should be walking. You should be looking at your fruit trees. So what do the symptoms look like? It... Like the name suggests, fire blight, it's a scorching of new growth 
It's on the new growth, unless you've left it for too long. It can be on older growth as well. But usually it's on uh, a new, new symptoms are on the newest growth that comes out. And oftentimes it'll curve into a shepherd's hook. Oftentimes when that comes out, it's black. So you look for a quince or pear, European pear, Asian pear, the Bartlett's, the apples. The new growth that comes out is crook is shape is doubles back on itself, grows back on itself, and oftentimes they refer to it as a shepherd's hook that you'll see. So you'll look for black, you'll look for shepherd's hook, and that is a and the, the last thing I look for is I'm not sure. I've, if I see that on some pears, I still am not sure. I'll take it into the sunlight. And I'll look for a bacterial ooze on some of it. And usually down lower, where the infection is fairly fresh, where it's fairly young, you'll see, and in some cases, in some cases it can be so virulent, it can be so aggressive, that you'll see lots of it. But usually you'll see some wetting in the spring of the year when you see it, April, May time of year you'll see some bacterial ooze that's coming out as a result of the infection. That, my friends, are very, very virulent. You can spread that from plant to plant, just taking that bacterial ooze, that wet spot, and just touching it, and then touching a non-infected plant that's susceptible to fire blight. You can transmit it. So you can transmit it on pruning shears, you can transmit it on anything that you want. You can, on your hands, you can transmit it very easily. Flies can transmit it if they're pollinating. Honeybees can transmit That's why that honeybees and flies are considered possible vectors of that disease, transmitters of that disease, because they'll go. They'll go from flower to flower. And, and if it's infected, it'll have a bacterial ooze. That ooze is picked up by these insects, and they go from flower to flower, from opening to opening inside the plant. So where does it come from? It can blow in from neighbors if they're not careful. And as we get more and more fruit trees in our landscapes, that's going to be a problem, especially what kind? The Asian pears. Look at that. The quince are very, very susceptible to this disease, and the Bartlett pears, and many of the European-type pears. Check them. Make sure that you... That you have them on. So, how do you control this disease if you've got it? The best way to control it is to prune it out as soon as you see it. And what I'll usually have, so prune it out. In other words, when you see the disease, you'll see it in a certain part of the uh, of the plant in the new growth. Cut about eight to twelve inches below that point. Remember, what you're seeing is not what the plant is experiencing necessarily. The disease precedes where you're seeing it. Where you're seeing it is just the symptoms. You're removing the symptoms. So where do you want to cut? You want to cut lower than that. You want to cut deeper into the plant than that. And because of the bacterial sap that is given off, by that plant, you want to, it's ideally, you should be, you should be cleaning your pruning blades between each cut, 
with isop. What do you clean them with? You can use Clorox, but remember, if you use Clorox, you've got to oil it when you're finished. You've got to do everything. The other thing that's very, you remember, the other two things that are very important that can clean off pruning shears. One is isopropyl alcohol. Do you remember in your laboratory exercises, what did you inoculating loops that you may have done either in college or in high school, and you've taken bacterial diseases, and you put them on an auger plate, and you put it from plate to plate, what did you inoculate your inoculating, how did you sterilize your inoculating needle between, between inoculations? Well, you either used your Bunsen burner, and you heated up cherry red to kill everything on it, or you could use isopropyl alcohol. And I'd recommend the highest percentage of isopropyl alcohol that you can get. Don't use Grey Goose vodka for sterilizing. It's not high enough in alcohol. Use the seven, at least 70% alcohol and swab it. And either, at the very least, between trees, so you don't spread it from tree to tree, so you're taking, you're making your pruning cut deep, you're eliminating it, when you're done with it, it it can be on your hands because, or on your pruning blades. So what do you disinfect? What what did you touch that you are going to disinfect between trees? Between, and if you're really good at it, between cuts, your hands. If you've touched anything, remember I told you this disease is very virulent. It's highly aggressive. So you want to sterilize your pruning equipment with a, a, a an alcohol wipe. Alcohol is much better than cleaning detergents. An alcohol wipe or heat, heat it up with a with a uh, a lighter. Heat up those blades and kill it, and kill any disease organisms that might be on those blades. Might be on your, you can't put your hands, right? But you can swab your hands with alcohol. They take an alcohol wipe and just swab your hand down. Disinfect the surfaces. You know how to do that. My heck, we've had coronavirus for how long now? You know how to do that. Alcohol wipes, swipe it down, clean it out, sanitize everything. Again, between cuts is ideal at least between trees, sanitize your blades, alcohol or fire. Heat them up or or uh, use the alcohol, 70% ethyl alcohol when you, when you do it. So you've got the, the, now you've got the fire blight disease prunings that you put on the ground or you've put in your hands. What do you do with them? Get them out of of your property because any kind of a wind, any kind of insects that visit your prunings, your cuttings, can transmit the disease. And it's remember, this is a highly virulent disease. So it's easily, easily transmitted from cuttings to plants. So get those cuttings, those prunings off of your property. Bag them up. What I'll usually do is if I have a lot of them, I'll bag up that stuff. I'll put it into a plastic, a large plastic bag or a plastic bag. 
tie it tight, and get it off the property. Put it into uh, a receptacle and put it as far away from the orchard so insects, so the wind can't get it, and blow it around and move it from plant to plant. You want to be able to do that. So two things. Prune deep, 8 to 12 inches deep, and uh, also get it off the property. Put it into a plastic bag, seal it, get it off the property. Those two things. Don't forget the ethyl alcohol. Go out and buy some from your local stores. Get some ethyl, at least 70% ethyl alcohol. Okay? High, the highest, the, the better. The higher, the better. So what if, and I, I'm visiting an orchard right now. I'm looking at an orchard. And they have a lot of Asian pears. And some of them, unfortunately, the disease, you can't cut into the trunk very easily. You can cut in the trunk, but some of them, some of them are so bad, they're inside the trunk of the tree. In other words, the symptoms, you'll see it from the new growth coming out. But if you were to cut, you're going to have to cut into the trunk. Now, some of the trunk you can cut into, and I would highly recommend it. Remember, if you're cutting into it and cutting into the trunk, you're going 8 to 12 inches below that, below where you're seeing the problem, and you're sanitizing the blades if you're cutting it, whether that's you're cutting it with a, a, a blade on a reciprocating saw or whether you're cutting it by hand, doesn't matter. You're, you're, you're sanitizing that. You're sanitizing it with 70% ethyl alcohol, right? Or fire. So now, sometimes that disease is so far advanced. It's so, it's in material, it's in new growth coming from the trunk. Sometimes it's low enough in the trunk that you aren't sure whether you can get it all without removing it. And sometimes it does require removal of the tree. Hopefully, remember, when you cut something back, it's going to grow back. with the. You haven't done anything to the roots. So it's going to grow back very, very quickly when you make those cuts. It's not like putting in a new, a new plant. You cut it back a lot, and there's going to be lots of new growth because the water and nutrients are there. Are, are are already there. So there it's going to grow back very quickly. But sometimes that disease is so close to the trunk. You take as much as you can, but you go, I don't know if I got it all. Go back and visit it a, a week or two weeks later and look at the new growth coming from your cuts, coming below from your cuts and look at it. Look and make sure that the disease is gone. Because if you don't have it, and if the disease is there, you're going to have to remove the plant. There's no other. And I'm looking at this, uh, I'm looking at, at this orchard, and it's about 3,000 fruit trees, and some, they're going to lose some of those plants. And they have a row of, a half a row of quince that are planted as well. They're, it's so far along, I'm afraid that the quince is going to be lost. They can cut it back as much as they want to, but some of that quince is going to be gone. Some of those Asian pears are going to be gone. Some of those Bartlett pears are going to be gone. 
There's just, it's just too far advanced. It's too far into the plant, which makes me wonder where this inoculum came from. And I saw this inoculum in early, mid, mid spring, Aprilish, in these plants. And it was very aggressive at that point. And I wonder if it was there last year and it was just missed because someone didn't pay attention. So it's important to visit your fruit trees frequently and look at any of, uh, any of this, any of this new growth and look at the new growth. Make sure it's okay because there are two things and I'm not going to talk about it now, but there's iron as well. It needs to be applied and I need to talk about that in another podcast. So, uh, anyway, this is about fire blight, fire blight disease. Remember, it's very virulent. So, if you see it, cut it out. Sanitize between cuts if you can. Use 70% alcohol. It spreads. The sprays are not that effective. Commercially, they can be used, but for homeowners, they're not going to see it in time. It's, you know, if it, and if the tree is too far gone, we're going to have to remove it. We're going to have to take as much as you can out and watch it. Watch it. Watch the new growth coming out of, uh, coming from that tree. A week later, two weeks later, look at that new growth and make a decision. And if that, if you've taken as much as you can out and you've still got new growth that's coming out infected, infested, then you're going to have to remove the plant. And remember, when you remove the plant and you've got infection going on, Get it off of your property. Get it off of your property. Bag it up and move it out. Put it someplace where the wind and the insects can't get a hold of it. Because it will, if it's infected, it will get bacterial ooze. And that's that can be spread from plant to plant. Especially, remember, especially the the highly the highly uh, uh, those plants that are that can be highly infected the the asian pears hosui kikusui the uh quince bartlett pear check it there are some pear trees european pear trees bosque check them if you've got if you're using dianju check it bartlett pears even check your red bartlets check all your fruit trees Okay. Well, I hear that uh, music playing. It's time for me to go. So until next time, bye-bye. Follow me on my blog, Extreme Horticulture of the Desert. That's Extreme Horticulture starting with an X. All one word. Follow me on Facebook and Twitter.